This is a Demon FM podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Robcast Part 2. Woohoo! I'm introing this time, and we're carrying on from our last episode's discussion, talking all things anime. anime. We love anime over here, and um, basically the aim of this is to tell you guys over here in the West... Please watch anime. Yes. Please get involved in. Pl- pl- please get like read manga. Please appreciate its art form and not call us all weebs just because yes. we read and watch anime. For a full recap, go visit. Uh, go listen to the last episode if you haven't already. Uh, we talk about the origins of anime, how it sort of first introduced itself in the West, and how it's influenced Western um, mm. animation itself. Uh, fun fact: Did you know that all anime, uh, all animation in Japan is called anime? It's just, yeah, it's just mm. a term we use exclusively in the West to refer to Japanese animation as anime. Mm, that's something I didn't know. There we go. The more you know. Um, what we wanted to talk about firstly today is um, to not its direct ties to Western animation itself, yes, but just how it's ref- acknowledged yeah, now. References and stuff it's had in Western media. Um, yes. Firstly, I want to start off with, it was the first thing I remembered when researching this. It was just on the top of my head. Um, do you remember that Kanye West song, Stronger? Yes. I think it was one of the first ones, well, one first one of his songs that blew up that I knew of and got me sort of like, got me interested in oh, Kanye's music. Not Kanye, Daft Punk. They have an entire album of music videos that are done in an anime style. Yes, they do. Um, oh, what, what's that album called? Hold on. So yes, we've done a bit more research and we've found that the uh, Daft Punk album Discovery, all of the music videos, uh, all available on YouTube, are all done in an anime style. Like, they tell a story. And I believe in that album there is a song called, yeah, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, Yeah, which um, Kanye used in his song Stronger. <laughs> yes. Um, but instead of using um, so uh, images or... F- shots from that video yes he's used shots from uh the anime film akira yes um which i didn't know of i thought these were just really interesting anime shots well this is different but then i was like when looking into it more i was like oh this was from like what was it is it akira like 80s is it i think it's 80s the 1980s it was one of the first big uh anime films to come over to the west and um, there are a lot of references and shots he uses in yeah. his music video. Like there's one where at the beginning, I believe, of the song, he's like being rebuilt in this machine that's like spinning and yeah. turning everything. And that's a reference to um, a moment in Akira, the film. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but also, when I was looking this up, um, Akira is also mentioned in a game I used to play. So yes. I don't know if uh, any of you out there have played the game Saints Road 2. I'm aware of it. Um, it's basically about following. Um, you're like a character in this gang, but you basically leave this gang and take over the city, yes. basically. And one of your rival gangs in this is a gang from Japan called, I believe they're called the Ronin. And I didn't pick up on this originally because I didn't know about Akira or anything. But there's a bike you can unlock um, when you beat the gang. And it's the uh, bike of their gang's leader, and it's called the Can- is it the Canada or Canada? I think it's called Canada, 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 <laughs> with the accent on. Um, Get on my level. And <laughs> I didn't know 
until researching uh, the previous uh, previous one, Stronger Kanye West, that there was a character in um, Akira called Kaneda, and the bike is reminiscent of uh, his bike and the character's name. Yes. I was like, oh my God, there's been an anime reference in a game I love for so long and I didn't know. <laughs> Only just noticed it. But I think this is what um, genuinely happens where um, in like Western media is that anime references and, you know, portrays ref- uh, things from anime. Yeah. Um, they're slipped in very discreetly. Yeah. Um, so you may not know about them at first. Yeah. But like, say if you got interested in anime later, you'd appreciate, say like, I appreciate the stronger music video more now than I did then because I didn't yeah. know what was happening. Because, well, it, they didn't have to do that. They no. didn't have to go down the anime route. They could have gone like through... Daft Punk didn't yeah. have to go the whole... Uh, didn't have to make song. about 10 videos well, with that yeah. style. And it's... Oh, I think there's another video, but I can't remember which one. The song's not coming to mind and I'm not going to try and ponder <laughs> over it because it will take me about five mm. years to remember it. But I'm sure there's a few other songs out there that have just like use an anime style for a music video. But it just shows that these big artists in the West, like Daft Punk, yeah. like Kanye West, appreciate yeah. what anime does um, in its art style and its stories, that they're willing to include it in their own yes. um, media and what they create, which I think is a big testament to anime and sort of how far it's come in the minds over in the West, that the fact that these big names are like, I'm going to include this in my work because I want to, you know, basically show my appreciation for this art style. Yeah. And it's it's loved by quite a few celebrities. Mm. It's loved by Keanu Reeves, who is a saint. Big boy. We all love Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Robin Williams, rest in peace. peace. Quentin Tarantino, which I think that shows through in his films. We'll be getting onto that in a bit. Mm-hmm. A, a definitely a, um, a specific moment in one of his films. I think I know which one you um, mean. Samuel Jackson is another one. Yeah. Uh, obviously that famous Wired interview where he's uh, doing the Google search qu- um, questions. Yeah. And he's like, does Samuel L. Jackson like uh, anime? He goes, yes, and hentai too. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. And another big one is um, Ronda Rousey, who I remember uh, watching, I believe it was WrestleMania 32 or 3. Um, basically, The Rock's in the ring with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, and he's basically two on one and he wants a fight. Yeah. And just so sitting at ringside is former UFC bantamweight champion Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Oh, and what's she wearing? A tank top with Vegeta on it saying over 9,000. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, my boy Dragon Ball's getting represented there <laughs> at WrestleMania. This is amazing. Who knew? I mean, we've found like a slight list here. Uh, yeah, Tarantino, like Pharrell Williams, Zac Efron apparently. Had no idea Ariana Grande would have liked it, but apparently she loves um, a Ghibli film, Spirited Away, which we'll get on to later. Uh, Elon Musk, that surprises no one. So does his uh, (laughs) current girlfriend, the musician Grimes. I know she loves anime. Mm. Bill Nye, apparently. And uh, Michael B. Jordan is a massive fan of Naruto. So if if anything, basically, (laughs) it says something that, you know, it is a really, if these like, not to say that um, celebrities' opinions are the be-all and end-all of what no. defines good culture, but if these people are willingly open to profess their enjoyment for something mm-hmm. that is 
undermined yeah. slightly as an entertainment form and an art form. I think that says something. Yeah, that and, and their opinion will definitely influence people. Oh, so if they were like one day come out and say like, you should watch this and it's like an anime, people are going to go like, oh, I'm going to watch this yeah. because he's told me to watch it. But you mentioned that Quentin Tarantino. Yes. He is indirectly maybe responsible for why I love anime. Yeah. Because of one, I didn't know this at the time, but it's one scene from one film that is probably my favourite f- scene in any film ever. Yeah. If you haven't watched a certain film called Kill Bill Volume 1, yes. there is a scene in it called Chapter 3, The Origins of Oren Ishii. And it's basically an entire scene of, I think it's like 10 minutes long. Something like that. Backstory of... Um, the villain of as well. The, the main antagonist of that, of, of that volume. Yeah. All shots and produced in anime. It's not anime like inspired. It's, it's produced yeah, in anime. By an animation. Yeah. Anime company. Um, so back when he was in production of the film, he produced... He, uh, went to production company production ig studios yeah so he wanted them directly to produce this scene because oren was in the film she's a japanese chinese american born assassin yes which is very weird to sort of say so like I... she's all different she's all three yes um but production ig um this are an actual anime studio so these aren't just like oh he's hired someone you know, who used to work for a studio yes. to do it. He's actually hired a studio. Um, and this studio is behind such animes, uh, adaptations like Prince of Tennis, which I know in Shonen Weekly is yes. actually up there. Haiku. Is it Haiku? Haiku. Haiku, which is very big at the moment. I love Haiku. It's about volleyball. We'll get on to this later. And um, recently, Production IG merged with um, another studio to produce basically like this um overhanging company yeah like um holding holding this company that's what they're called um they they've um they formed with like a manga studio and one of the studios that are involved with this is i don't know if it's wit or wit studios yeah which was founded by two former employees of production ig yeah and um they are responsible for the attack on titan anime now this is a big anime that's boomed in like the past four or five years this is something i w- gladly you mentioned that because if you go on imdb yeah and you look at the top rated tv series episodes of all time yes currently sitting at number one is hero the episode hero from Attack on Titan. Really? Sits at the top. Wow. There are, I believe, in the top 20, eight anime episodes in the top 20 of TV series. To put it into context, TV series of all time. So not just like anime or cartoon or of a specific genre. Live action. Of ever, So you've got the likes of Breaking Bad, yeah. Game of Thrones, all that lot in there. And I'm, assume, well, I'm assuming it's just like international television as a whole, regardless yeah. of where it's from. Regardless of where it's from. Currently sitting at the top isn't, Episode from Attack on Titan season three currently sits at the top. That is highest rated episode. Incredible. Which sure it, it it buries the point. It's an entertainment form, Brenda. It's not just cartoonish. No, childhood. I mean if if you haven't go watch Attack on Titan because it's not for the faint of heart. I will say that it's quite. It's not for the faint of heart, but the emotions it stirs within one. Oh, good heavens, yes. There is slice of life fantasy gore um 
What, what else? Action. Action. Angst. Love. Angst. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's Betrayal. A really, yes. It's, oh, there's a certain episode, I think, in season two, or is it in season three, of where there's a certain betrayal and it is one of the... Oh, yes. Oh, it's spicy anime. And it's, well, it's very well... Anime, in terms of storytelling, again, it take It's like... I don't know how to explain it. It tells like one long story over like practically no time limit space of episodes. So they can take their time with it perfectly. So it's not like a film where it has to be done in about an hour or three hours at the most. Mm. Um, It's it's not like a, a TV series like or a Netflix series where it has like 10 episodes before it has to wrap. It just keeps going yeah. and there is constant room for development and story growth. So the po- don't get me wrong, it does get a bit ridiculous sometimes. Um, uh, you've watched Naruto, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Like looking at how towards the end of that series and what the characters were capable of in terms of their powers yeah. and looking back at the start, I was like, remember when this show was about ninjas and not yeah <laughs> like people pulling meteors from out of the stratosphere and all that kind of stuff oh, i'm trying to, i'm trying but to think it, of like a um, similar thing i can talk i mean with that i can reference you can reference um sort of my hero yeah in the sense that it starts off being about this kid who gains a quirk and goes to school and learns how to, and then it's just turned into like full-blown City destruction, punching people. Yes. It's like, what? Physics defying action. That's also um, a good anime to start with because it's not too far in at the moment, but it also makes a point of it's, it likes to make a nod and an homage to like American style comic books Mm. because it's My Hero Academia is about young heroes training to become superheroes, Mm. but in a very American sort of inspired uh, way so the creator uh horikoshi was very much influenced by marvel and dc comics yes. and he basically wanted to produce a um japanese version yes of, so basically a superhero society based primarily in japan yes and it's he couldn't have timed when it came out better yes the first issue of My Hero came out basically during the boom of superhero movies yes. over here. So not only was it gaining popularity in the East because, you know, it's a superhero anime, but it's also slice of life in the sense of its kids going to yeah. school. And it's yeah. very reminiscent of actual Japanese schools. Yes. It was also blowing up in the West because they're like, oh my God, it's a manga about superheroes. But with aspects we can understand. Yeah. And like, obviously you know, obviously, like I say, with the superhero boom, everyone was like, oh my God, superheroes need to endorse yes. that. So that's why it's now become so big everywhere, in my yeah. opinion, because... Um, it's a fan favourite. Yeah, it combines sort of both Western and Eastern interests yeah. into one little thing. But um, yeah, if you haven't watched it, Kill Bill, I mean, one... Yes, why the haven't Oren Ishii it? scene. But two, the Oren Ishii scene is, is very much the best of like 90s slash mid 2000s animation like yeah. how it looks it's very realistic it's very stylistic it's as well f- I, that, I think that's the um, operative where we take it's very stylized that scene yeah um, and it, ha- it it feels like it has elements from like references to so many different animes yes it. like so one I'll take for example is um, Ghost in the Shell 
Yes. There's a scene, there's a little bit in the scene where um, she's like standing on top of a building yeah. with a sniper and her hairstyle and the outfit she's wearing, she's wearing like a full like red bodysuit. Yes. I was like, I looked and I was like, that's Ghost that's in the Ghost Shell. That's Ghost in the Shell nod. That, <laughs> yeah, is. that is Ghost in the Shell. And... Well, we mentioned um, in our last episode um, the web series Ruby, which is heavily anime inspired, and mm. this is in just one of the character introductory trailers where they you get to know the character, the four main characters, and their fighting style. Um, Yang's ch- yellow trailer mm. not is uh, makes references to Akira because she gets off a bike in the same way, and it's mm. all very swaggy. And there's a T-shirt that's um, a reference to Akira and the way that she like fights everyone in the dance club like um, the bride does the mm. is it the crazy 88 yeah crazy yeah yeah and Beatrix, them to Beatrix get to the, yeah. crazy 88 so when anime references appear in western culture mm. but then also appear back in sort of other forms of culture yeah. there's a cycle going here yeah I mean Kill Bill itself is very um eastern inspired yes. not just anime but eastern films like yes. japanese made films themselves um but it's always nice just to see the little anime reference being yeah such a big absolutely. thing and being appreciated as it was because a lot yeah. of people came out from the cinema or came out from watching uh kill bill for the first time and being like oreni she scene was like one of the best scenes yeah and i think it will go down as one of the best tarantino scenes in my opinion that there's ever been yeah um but totally i think i think we'll leave it there for references yeah um, like you know talking about stuff because we have a bigger fish to talk about we do a really big well two really big two mass massive fish you've got in the west with you know our individualistic capitalist overlords called the Walt Disney Company. And I'm perfectly fine with them being my overlord, to be honest. And their Disney Plus pay for subscription. Yes. You will eventually have to pay them for life, probably down the line. I have no doubt that they've already <laughs> hacked into my bank account and are planning to. And the and you have in the East, from the collective Japanese society, where, you know, it's all about making that good... Not Well, not making money, but making art first yes. than rather than money. This is my opinion. I think it's money yes. first, Disney animation second. I think it's at the forefront. Yeah. Uh, Disney makes some cracking films and I will watch every single one of them that they mm. produce, even if it's probably garbage. Yeah. That's me. But then, yeah, um, but then like I said, over in the East, you have Ghibli Art is. Before Money, Studio Ghibli. Oh, Fantastic. Titans. And basically, the... I'll probably ask this question towards the end, but I'll just let Reese know beforehand. Yes. I just want to ask you, uh, towards the end, I want your answer at the end of this. Why hasn't Ghibli won more Oscars? Why? And we're going to get into that now. Funny enough, I did some research on this the other day, um, writing uh, quiz questions, actually, for um, a social event. I, it, I think just Disney has such a monopoly. Such a hold, yeah. And obviously the Oscars is focused more towards mm. American, maybe English films and production, certainly English, uh, American. Yeah. It, it's hard for any other animation company to get in. an edge in. Yeah. yeah. So even for like DreamWorks or Aardman films, Aardman are the people that create um, Wallace and Gromit and Shaun the Sheep and all that. Um, because obviously Disney churn out so many films a year, mm. they have the best animators and, you know, the best writers for them. It's difficult for... And as we say, there's that in our last episode, there was that divide between acknowledging a piece of culture that's from a different yeah. place that's not native. Yeah. 
I don't want to mention Trump talking about Parasite, but it's sort of... Yeah, relevant. let's not trigger that route. We all know <sighs> the man's a... Well, I can't because I have to be BBC Swiss in this. <laughs> but my personal feelings are I don't like him. Anyway, but yes, to go back to your original question, I think that's because Disney is so renowned and loved in the West. Mm. Like, because Disney ha- have been... The first film Disney ever made was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in 1937. So this is a gen- like long, this is a generational time. thing. Yeah, it's got its roots. Very, I mean, Mickey Mouse debuted in 1928, mm. so it's got its roots firmly set in Western culture mm. as well. It's, and there's this sense of loyalty to it's it. It's just a powerhouse, isn't yeah. It? Um, and obviously, with I mean, Disney just kept making f- breathtaking film after breathtaking, yeah, film yeah, after yeah. breathtaking film. So it was sort of hard for, like I say, any other company in America or the West, let alone from in the East, to put a foothold in. But then um, with a release, with like a patch of like really good releases, Studio Ghibli really made their impression known oh, yes. on the West. I mean, we'll go into all different sorts of their uh, films in their catalogue. One thing I want to mention that I think Studio Ghibli does a lot differently to Disney and I think is... Also a good thing is Disney have a formula. It's, yes. You can pretty much see it in every single one of their films, even Pixar films. Yeah. That it has the same sort of, um, like you start off with the introduction characters as a problem, then there's restoring, and then there's like yes. c- confronting the problem, then there's like the equilibrium, restoring the equilibrium at the yeah. end. Whereas Studio Ghibli, I mean, it's... They're, they're, both companies set most of their stuff in a fantasy type world. Yes. However, I think Ghibli tell more of a variety of stories within their um, animations and animated films than Disney do. Because I think, like, see, Disney have very much yes. run of the mill stuff. Yeah. Um, but one film that doesn't actually set in a fantasy land that I wanted to mention that Studio Ghibli do very differently than Disney have ever done is a certain film that I am triggered that is not going to be on the Netflix catalogue of the studio games because it's called Grave Grave of the Fireflies it is so good it's it's, it will it's it's like it's the Japanese equivalent of Up yeah if you want it set in a real world setting. Yeah, this is a film from the 1980s, I think, mm. or seven, maybe even 70s. I think it was the 80s. Yeah. But um, brief synopsis, it's basically a film set during World War II Japan. Yes. And uh, the two main characters are, I can't remember how old they are, but there's an older Not brother very, yeah. and a very like toddler age sister basically. Well, yeah. Just over, like, I'd say toddler. like three, four years old. Yeah, like, yeah four or five, sort of that area. And they're split up from their parents mm. in World War Two during an American firebombing raid. Yeah. And it's basically, you're watching these two characters, well, brother and sister, just try and survive in yeah. World War II, um, Japan. And it's so, there, there are moments in it that's obviously so joyous and you get to see like, you know, happy moments within this time of turmoil. Yeah. But then what it loves to do, these maniacal, little people at Studio Ghibli, they just take your heart and they just rip it out of yes. you. Yes. Because it's such a sort, you could say a true telling of what life was probably like 
yeah the, on, from a japanese perspective yeah not like a japanese but just a japanese civilian during world war Two who had no say in whether they wanted the war to be going on or not and yeah, I mean, like, obviously we reference in the West Pearl Harbor and, yeah. the, you know, the Japanese attack first and therefore, you know, they were the enemy and obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they were, you know, And it ended America. with the bombing of um, Hiroshima and um, Nagasaki. Yeah. And obviously we get a lot of tales of, you know, uh, like American soldiers going over to Japan losing their lives. Then it's just nice to get a perspective. It's a different perspective. From their side say, well... Even though, yes, they were our enemy at war. Like, not everyone in Japan no, was people evil. People don't choose war. No, no, absolutely not. The whole of Japan just wasn't against us. It was just the emperor and his sort of yeah. aligning fascist Could, ideals with uh, Nazi Germany. Yeah. They were the enemy, not, you know, just the regular Japanese civilian. Yeah. So, yeah, like I say, it just, you know, it tugs at the heart. It does. It's It deals with, as we say, it deals with the topics of. You know, these innocent kids embroiled in this war, which they understood nothing about, yeah. which I think st- could stand for a lot and resonate with a lot of people. As I say, no one chooses war. And it, yeah, it handles this topic really well, really delicately, really emotionally. Mm. I don't think you have to be of a certain race, faith or culture to appreciate the mm. emotional context of this film. Like, And this was a film, because it's by Studio Ghibli, it's, it's, it's a film primarily aimed at i think the sort of older child young teen to well, give them well, yeah because they it- chose children as the protagonists if they wanted it to be for adults they probably yeah. would have shown it from the perspective of the their parents but it, if so for like an older child young teenager it's acting not just as like a story but a history lesson of yeah. what you know life growing up back in japan was mm-hmm. like during that time but also it's a film for adults as well because it discusses and looks at all these different horrific themes and yeah. events that happened during the war that, you know, that just not just one, you know, age group could enjoy it. All age groups could enjoy it. Um, like yeah. say, an example I'd give with Disney that do this is, I mean, you could argue up, yeah. but I think a film that you can compare with this age bracket being taken down is inside out oh yes because obviously that's marvelous because that discusses mental Mental health health and mental well and that film it sort of informs children of what mental health is and sort of like what it's about but it also for the adults it it's sort of like a reminiscent of like you know if they grew up with this sort of thing like it's just a reminder to them of like you know how far maybe how far they've come yeah or you know just like say reminiscing on what life was like maybe if they had a mental illness so that's yeah. like a film like grave of the fireflies that deals with like an emotional topic it deals it's not your bog standard the hero needs to rescue the princess and slay the evil yeah. villain type of thing disney have been moving a bit more towards um breaking out of that mold <laughs> yeah Again, I think because as animation's grown as an art form and a storytelling platform, um, so Zootopia, Zootopia, sorry, is a good example because they in that film they have like basically the animals are people, they're intelligent and civilized, and they have a functioning society. And you have the herbivores that are mm. classed as um, you know, the civil people, but then they do like a whole almost class racial distinction between carnivores who are 
they work in society as well, but they have to be monitored in case they ever turn it, feral. It's, it's based, it, it was basically a film that discussed uh, xenophobic tendencies yeah. within society. Yeah. Um, but at a, a level that kids could understand and maybe not seen as, you know, It wasn't too heavy-handed. Yeah. yeah. But it, like I said, once again, informed kids or maybe young teenagers that it's like, this is what's going on in our society yeah. to a degree, you know, and it's just teach them like what's happening or maybe what yeah. they can do about it. You briefly hinted when you were talking about that, about Disney straying away from their yes. older, you know, traditional... The means. traditional format of prince, princess, bad guy, rescue the princess. Yeah. And um, so one aspect I want to talk about is uh, women within uh, Disney animated films. So yeah. Pixar or just Disney produced. Um, recently, over the past, I'd say, 15 years? I uh, Yeah, I'd say, say so. Um Maybe 20. Yeah, there have been a few uh, female Disney characters that have basically strayed away um, completely from that. From the damsel yeah. in distress kind of archetype. So I wanted to mention Frozen, yes. but I think there are other films that do this better. Yeah. So, for example, um, you have Mulan, yes. of, of course. Side note, when I touch on Mulan... Um, I was I went to go see a film the other day and they showed a trailer for Milan, the new and, live action one. Yeah, yes. And at the end of the at the end of that trailer, someone said, "Where's Mushu?" And in my head, I was just sort of raging a bit because this live action one it's it's a very different live action Disney film in the sense that the previous ones were basically the animated stories told live action. Yes. Whereas this one. This is based on the actual um, yeah. myth and story Disney, of Disney Pro Mulan. Disney promised that they would stick more to, um, like I say, the story yeah. of Mulan than their uh, animated adaptation. Yeah. Because in uh, Eastern culture, this is a very you know big story. This isn't yeah. something... I mean, in but animation, this is a chance to appreciate Chinese culture yeah, and history. In animation, you can take it lighter and add these these like uh, like Mushu and that lot yeah. because it's for ch aimed Again, at children. But but because it's live action, it's it it has to be more appreciated by adults as well, and yes. it needs to be very serious. Again, in. it's this whole thing that Disney is a multi generational thing, mm. and I remember watching Mulan as a kid, mm. and obviously I. To hear that they're doing a live action version of it, I'm hyped for it. I'm, I really want to go. So see I think it, what yeah. they're trying to do now is trying to straddle that line of it being accessible for children, mm. like the current youngest generation, but also in a way that it still appeals to and is good for our generation mm. and older people who have those fond memories mm. of Disney and still very much love it and enjoy it. Whereas at the same time, respecting the source material it came yeah. from, like. Um, I remember one of the first things they promised with that is that it, um, they wouldn't whitewash it at all. Like no yes. major character would be an actor of you know white uh, descent. Caucasian, yeah, yeah. They'd all be of Asian descent. Yeah, of Asian descent, which you know was very tick in the book for me yeah. in terms of the story. But let's not get bogged down with yes, that. Yeah. I only talk about it because I love Mulan. Yes. Um, but also <laughs> Pocahontas, that was yes. another big one back in the day. The only Disney princess based on an actual real person. Yeah. Um, I mean, they changed yeah. facts in Pocahontas because she was like 14 when she met John Smith, who was like 30-something. And mm. the whole brutality of the interactions between the Native American people and the um, I will, English. I will praise um, that film for one of the songs it has in it 
called uh, Savages. Yes. Because it is a very true telling story of how each side viewed each other. Yes. Because obviously, good old white people, um, yeah. when they came over, viewed the Native Americans as lesser than them because they basically saw them as tribes. Base, yeah. Because they were very much traditional and had stuck to their ways rather than developing yeah. more. Whereas the Native Americans viewed these invaders coming over as, you know, threats. And I, th I believe there's a line in it where they call them white devils. Yeah. Because, you know, they're just coming over and... Or pale devils Yeah, or massacring, yeah, massacring yeah. their people for, like, practically no reason. Yeah. Which, and I love the fact that... I mean, it's, it's good they do it in a song, so it's not, like, hard-hitting. Yes. Like, basically, kids, this is racism. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they do it in a song, like, to get it a, the point across that yeah it that like obviously both sides it's it, pocahontas is one of the most controversial i'd say probably disney films in mm. terms of i you get what story they're trying to tell mm. it's the historical inaccuracy that they've kind of done it with but yeah. not saying that or trying to excuse the the errors they made they were trying to fit several key points of history within the space of an hour and a half. Exactly. Did uh, they bite off more than they could chew with that one? Maybe, Perhaps. Maybe. maybe they should have left it, but they didn't. They went ahead and did it, <laughs> but that's what it is. And then finally from Disney, we have the film that came out, was it 2012, 13? 2012, I think. Uh, which is one of my favourite, yes. not Pixar produced animations, but Disney produced animations in Brave. Ma, it's just me boy. It's just me boy. I love Brave. If you could change your feet, would you? <laughs> it's an amazing film. The main character, Merida, is yeah. an amazing female. Yeah. She, like, at no point is she some... Well, she is in distress in the sense that she doesn't know how to turn her mother back in back from a bear into a human. Yes. But in terms of like... Well, the whole uh, primary ordeal that she goes through is that she is the princess of this um, old Gaelic kingdom. Mm. Um, or perhaps Celtic, sorry, I'm not... My apologies. Um, in Scotland, um, who is... There's a tournament held to decide who sh who from the the sons of the other two three tribes gets to marry her, mm. and she's like, I don't want to be married. I don't want to be a proper lady princess. Yeah, she her mother is basically like teaching her how to be a lady. Yes, like she doesn't knit noodle, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she just wants to ride out into the glen as they call shoot it, arrows and shoot arrows and, and adventure, be her and, own woman. Yeah, and that's a big thing throughout this film is that she's not relying primarily on anyone else to do her love, thing well, uh, love isn't her primary objective no like bec because she turned her mother into a bear yeah. she wants to get her out of it and she wants to do things on her own uh, uh, more disney films are focusing on other relationship dynamics for the princesses mm. you mentioned frozen earlier that's all about sisterhood uh brave is all about the uh, <laughs> bond between a mother, mother and, daughter. and daughter um moana to a degree uh uh, children and grandchildren but also sort of establishing her own destiny as the mm. leader of her tribe and her own sense of finding inner strength and what's right for her people <laughs> as a leader but sorry back to brave yes merida i think brave actually does a good example of her mother is more the sort of traditional princess mm. yeah uh, idealistically fairy tale queen woman where mm. she's very regal and um 
is more on about charming, being charming and graceful mm. and modest and demure. Whereas Merida is more action driven and tomboyish and authoritative. Yeah, like one of the first scenes we see of her when she's grown up is sh- the the gates. Like I remember, they slam open or something. Yeah, and she's like walk. She no, she's not walk. She's strutting towards her chair at yeah. the throne room, eating an apple with her hair just all over Frizzy, the place, serving. And at that moment, I was like. Disney, you've done a good yeah. job because I know exactly what she was going to be like. And, she, and like I say, they absolutely killed it with that one. And like I say, if you haven't seen it, go watch it yeah. because it is blooming brilliant, brave. Yes. Um, but however, even though that's been happening recently and it's been a change from what it did originally, yes. Ghibli have pretty much been doing this with their films from the offset. Yes. Not portraying their female characters as well not necessarily lovage but like as in damsels in distress or yes. like characters like that there's a significant i mean from my awareness of most ghibli films i've seen my fair share of them and i did my film studies project in a level on it they have a tendency to use primarily young girls as their protagonists mm. so in spirited away you've got um chihiro you've in kiki's delivery service you've got kiki uh, film that love Kiki's delivery service um in Princess Mononoke you have well deuteragonists with um mm. San and um Ashitaka uh How's Moving Castle you've got Sophie um My Neighbor Totoro it's focused on the two girls but just think that these are all films that were made during what was it the late 90s early between 2000s. the 80s to the early 2000s yeah this was like during the time when disney was starting to make that change yes. with female characters yeah. but hadn't fully committed yet yeah just to put like they hadn't fully committed to you know the whole woman lead like basically from now on ghibli really wanted to implement that in well in eastern society at least that women were just as capable in these situations yeah. as men were um i mean even if you look at screen, like just screenshots or screen grabs from Princess Mononoke, yeah, there's a scene where like she's there in like full, sort of like warrior tribal like yeah. uniform with like a wolf behind her, and you're like, sh- like you just look at each other. She's a Stark. She's a <laughs> badass. You're like, yeah. I want to know who this character yeah. is because you know this is a woman who's basically running with the wolves. Yeah. She's- Assaulting a village with these two wolves mm. behind her. Also, like we mentioned. Well, um, sorry to interrupt you, but um, Princess Mononoke, um, what's her name? Lady Ibishi. Oh, yeah. Mini Driver's character. Mm. Lady Iboshi, um, who founds and runs this town, basically. And the women have the run in that town mm. compared to the men. Um, uh, sorry, but yeah, again. Well, like I said, that's that's a, that's a good point to bring up. But I was um, I was just going to briefly mention, basically, like the brief stop, like overview of Kiki's delivery service is yes. that she's gone out on her own. Yeah, with with her cat. I can't remember what her cat's called, and I'm going to kill myself for it. Um, oh, I can't remember. But it's basically just her on her own, making her own yeah. way in the world, finding her own. Whereas it's not like her going, oh, I need help. Yeah, it's her just you know doing her thing yeah. and seeing the world and I think it's like good on it's very good Studio Ghibli films are very good at suggesting potential romances mm. between characters but, and then going psych <laughs> yeah but 
It's like Kiki has that the flirtation with that young boy she meets with the glasses. Mm. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, San and Aishitaka, you kind of like sense that oh there might be yeah but it never I don't think they ever fully go into it oh Nausicaa in the Valley of Wind as well that's her she's she goes out and explores on her own and you know defies the strict sort of patriarchal Mm. foundation set we might be reading too much into it but Ghibli have a habit of using uh, girls and young women as their protagonists. But I think this goes back to our, what the overarching point of um, like the purpose of this is, is that these aren't child stories. No. These are actual real life, slice of life stories that with characters, even though they're set in a completely different setting to the real world, yeah. have so many similarities to our lives. Yeah. Of, I believe, like say, Kiki's Delivery Service, you can view as... Someone like a, you know, when you're, I don't know, 17, 18, whatever, going out into the world on your own for the first yeah. time. Howl's Moving Castle, I believe, was it one of the, like, one of the themes is like the loss of childhood, isn't it? Yes. But also she grows as a person. She's quite timid and demure. And mm. the main character, Sophie, is just happy to sit in this hat shop. And mm. she's not very certain in herself or sure of what she wants. She thinks she's ugly and mm. all, all that sort of thing. Um, that I think How's Moving Castle is one of the only few films where love is like a romance between Sophie mm. and the wizard Howl is a prominent factor. I, so I think if if any anime I wanted to wanted Western like all Western movie audiences or even just TV film audiences to take seriously mm. its Studio Ghibli films yes. because even though their art style, it does, you can argue it looks childish. Like My Neighbor no. Totoro. My, my, my well, Neighbor Totoro. I'd example. say My Neighbor Totoro is the lightest and easiest for kids to watch. It's still a great film because Totoro is the mascot of Studio Ghibli. Yeah, exactly. So that's like the thing. That's like their entrance into Studio yeah. Ghibli. So that maybe they can see, if like, oh, it's very, tr- like, you know, Totoro and Cat Bus. Yes. I love Cat Bus. I love Cat it's, Bus. What, I an, what an idea. Um, <laughs> But I'd say that's their introduction. Yeah. So, but if if they delve in more, they can see how serious and kind of even though it's animation, unchildlike a lot of it is. Yeah. Like, let's briefly mention Princess Mononoke again. There's um a scene, well, like a bit of a scene where, like, she's covered, like, blood is covering her mouth. Yes. Like she spits some blood out, and yeah. it's like, huh? She ain't here to play. She ain't here to play, and it's just. These films are, it's it's basically, you look at Disney films and it's primarily child-based, like, entertainment. Yeah. But adults can derive meaning yeah. and that from their own personal experience from these films. Yeah. Whereas Studio Ghibli films are films that maybe you could say with animation, some of them look childish, but yeah. are actually life stories and lessons yeah. and things to be learned by everyone yeah. um, from those films. So I just think that these films, and like one way that it can be done is that they don't need an award from the Academy no. necessarily. But it would help with their prestige with Western audiences though. Like the Academy at least, I, well not obviously, not that maybe not the next Oscars, but at an Oscars. Yeah. Well actually maybe gives an award of sorts to 
the efforts and stuff of Studio Ghibli mm. of what they've actually done for animation. Yeah. Because I haven't got any, you know, uh, examples at hand, but I have no doubt in my mind that Western animators have taken serious reference and mm. serious inspiration from what Studio yeah. Ghibli have done yeah. and put it into their own um, animations. Yeah. So I think if any um, animation studio, our anime studio, deserves utmost respect and attention from Western audiences, yeah. it is Studio Ghibli yeah. for what they have done for the image of anime, not only in the wet, like bringing it to like in the West and what they do, but in enhancing it in the East yes, as well. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, with other anime studios in Japan taking inspiration and creating similar sort of stories um, in today's market. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just. It's just, I need, I need, I need an Oscar for a studio to give me a film again I mean, in my life. Uh, I think. Spirited Way is the only one that's won one mm. so far, isn't it? I personally think um, the tale of Princess <laughs> Kaguya should have won one because that is unique in that they used as little computer animation as mm. possible. If it's all done in like a calligraphy brush style art form, mm. it is one of my favourite films to just watch because visually it's just gorgeous. Mm. And I love that sort of thinking outside the box style of art and animation. That is, to me, is a true art mm artistic project because it it didn't use 3d it didn't use the traditional you know draw it and animate it on a computer it was just about the um like this gorgeous like traditional calligraphy brush style mm. and i just uh, i lived for it i was so yeah yeah i've i've just had a um a thought that um of of a film that may may be influenced by Ghibli mm. in uh, anime in the West, and it's a film that was from. Marvel. Do you remember Kubo and the Two Strings? Yes. Looking back at it now, even though it's stop motion, like a, I don't think it's claymation. It's no, it's stop yeah. Motion. The setting and the characters and the, it's not exactly like, but it would you argue it that certainly that's eludes reminiscence? I think it's like, very reminiscent of like. Ghibli settings and places, yeah, and obviously the animal characters you have the the monkey character in um well there are many in actually Kubo yeah but yeah in um Kubo and the two strings like them characters and the settings it's like I said it's not one to one scale Ghibli but it's like an it, Ghibli settings and characters influence yes the, the characters within Kubo. Um, and that was one of the most highly praised films, animated films of that year. Yeah, it was really good. Um, so obviously well, that's once again showing what possibly where, uh, Eastern anime can do for. I think so. I think that there's no harm in like inspiration being taken from mm. both films. So who knows? For all we know, Ghibli might look have looked at a few Disney films exactly. and thought, oh, yeah. we like what they've done here. Let's just add a sprinkle of mm. that to our own work. But um, to round this off then, to end this two-part special series, um, we may continue it further date, but just to Maybe. end this two-part uh, yeah. episode series, I want to ask you the question. If you could, if you have had the resources and the money and all that lot to get Western audiences more into appreciating and maybe watching anime, mm. what would you do? 
how how would you see is the best way of going you know anime is not for children it's actually for everyone you can watch it too guys i think i think it needs to take an open mind i think mm. people need to it needs to be it needs to be explained to people better because you can get anime of so many different Mm. kinds so yes you've got all your fantasy and your action side which is my personal favorite side but you can find anime on anything yeah there's anime about volleyball yeah there's an anime i watch called food wars where they solve problems by cooking there's a anime about ice skating In a, yeah um but yeah like i say you can just see anime on anything can't you yeah um there's one on tennis there's one on basketball there's one on swimming there's what was the example I was thinking of earlier? There's just like your average romance animes. You've got your horror animes. Mm. I don't recommend Van Helsing. That's very gory. Um, you've got like short ones that are about 12 episodes on. You've got long ones like One Piece that are about 1,284 bajillion episodes long. Oh, God. They've recently added it to um, Crunchyroll, a streaming service Good for God. anime. Um, and you have season... <laughs> There's so many episodes... And obviously, I don't think Crunchyroll have the licenses to all the studios and stuff or anyone, everyone that's working. No, I'd imagine it works like Netflix where they get contracts. That they have seasons one through three mm. that basically got from episodes one to 400 and something, I think. <laughs> but, then, but then there's a gap. Oh. From, there's a gap from the 400 episodes they have at the beginning which goes up to i believe episode 800 and something yeah to current so there's like 400 episodes of one piece that you can't watch on crunchyroll yeah that's in between okay that's weird which is like yeah um one piece might not be the best anime to start no, with really. it's a chonky boy that's one that you i think you should throw yourself into once you've established it perhaps try that perhaps um Try a month's free trial at Crunchyroll if they do such a thing. I believe, I mean, there are many YouTubers out there that I know have partnerships with Crunchyroll. Yeah. Where you can get like a 30% off discount yeah. sort of thing with them. So, I mean, if you just want like a cheap way, I mean, cheap way to watch anime, either use Crunchyroll free. Netflix has a decent enough selection. Yeah, Netflix has a good selection. You can sponge off your sibling or your parents' subscription yeah. to Netflix. I mean, just get started because. I think now more than ever, especially with streaming services, anime is being taken more seriously and more on board. Yeah. Because Netflix themselves are producing their own animes now. Yes. And they start, at the beginning, they started off not so good, like, because obviously Netflix are, were starting to get into it, if you know yes. what I mean. But now they've started to produce their some some of their really good own animes uh, i believe one of them uh there's this anime called carolyn tuesday which is a i think it's like a talent show singing anime which oh is i really think i've weird. heard of this again you can find anime on nearly yeah anything. which is really weird but it has like it's full like so you, obviously each anime comes with a soundtrack yes this anime not only has a soundtrack, it has its own full album of that all original right. songs. Yeah. And it's like, how, like, what animation in the West do we have where it has a full album? The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Phineas and Ferb. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they had a lot of songs. and But 
but they were like jokey sort of songs, yeah. aren't they? This isn't this is an anime with serious actual so- yeah. of variety of different genres in this one album. I've, you have okay. traditional pop, you have rock. I believe there's blooming reggae in there somewhere, yeah, probably. That's EDM. Plausible. Anything yeah, you want yeah. from an of your musical taste, you'll find in this anime. Yeah. And I think that is incredible. Yes. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. And I, uh, I mean, if you were going to suggest, I, well, we touched upon it briefly in the last episode. Mm. I think a good like gateway to transition yourself into it would be to start with Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Uh, the Legend of Korra, if you want. I highly recommend that as well. Uh, then My Hero Academia. Yeah. Death Note is a good anime to start with because it's only about 37 episodes And that takes you more into a more serious side anime. Yes. So it's less focused on the fighting. That's more of like an intellectual tete-a-tete between... And I love intellectual Um, Yeah. So Death Note, a boy finds a a book from um, one of the death gods and whoever's name you write in the book, if you visualise their face as well, you can kill them. Mm. Um, and our, the main character has ideas of like starting a new world order basically by killing off all the criminals, uh, but they bring in a detective to track him down. And they are both intellectually equal. Think mm. Sherlock Holmes versus Moriarty or like I mean, Reed how, Richards versus Doctor Doom. How does that not appeal to West audience yeah. having Sherlock? Because Sherlock v. Moriarty is a story as yes. old as time and as, you know, great as one of the best stories ever. Yeah. So have that, but in anime. Yes, with emotional stakes. And you eventually start to realise, I don't think I support our main character protagonist anymore. Do I want him to Hmm. win or do I want the detective to capture him? I think at the end of the day, one thing we can say about anime that really needs to be hit home with the Western audiences is that whatever you're looking for, whatever your favourite your niche might be, Like, if you like detectives, or you like fantasy, or you like real-world dramas, or you like... Romances, or just massive machines going at it. Anime has it It all. Take it with a pinch of salt. Go into it with an open mind. It's, It's a bit like, you know, trying a new food, or going to see that film that you're not sure about. You never know until you try it. Exactly. Try, I'd say at least try three three or four episodes of any anime so that'll probably take about an hour an hour and Mm. a half of your time but at the end of the day when all's said and done anime i believe this is happening in the world but just to hit it home yeah anime is and should be taken more seriously in the west than it is well than it was um before and i think that is a perfect way to end this special two-part series on here on demon podcast um i hope we can do this again i'm sure so do i this is interesting i am pretty sure you'll hear the dulcet tones of mine and reese's voices together again soon hopefully maybe with more guests if we can find yeah some. i know i can think of a few people that would <laughs> love to come on and discuss their love of anime and there's so much we've not touched upon as well. exactly and like the endless possibilities to talk about with yes. not just referring to the west but just anime in general yeah. you know discussions debates whatever yeah it's 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 vast and wide and you know it's something that you know we could really delve into it is it's a t- complete it's a f- exciting art form it's also it's just this growing it's this growing thing i mm. think as time goes on it's going to be 
more and more prominent and more and more people are going to like it. And yeah, it's just, it's a really important piece of just non-Western culture, American or English culture to appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And so... That is um, the end for us two today. Yes. It's been an absolute pleasure discussing this It's been a riot. I've you. loved this. And um, like I said, I'm pretty sure you'll hear me and Reese talk about anime in the near future again with some, some guests on Yay. with us. But for now, it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And remember as always, <laughs> Yari Yari to say, Baka, Baka. Nani, and Amaro Shindere. We're such weebs. We're weebs. Peace. Goodbye. Bye. Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry, because if you head on over to Demon FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts, as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Go on, have a listen. I support you.